we are continuing our series uh, that I started a couple of weeks ago titled Plan B. And uh, then last week we went with Plan B and Pastor Keith uh, jumped in, as so many have done so many times over the last seven or eight months uh, when somebody was on quarantine or when somebody was dealing with uh, challenges or maybe there was sickness in their home and, and we just decided to play it safe and lead worship without key components or uh, have somebody step in and fill in on a message or in a children's classroom or somewhere else. And uh, Keith, you did a wonderful job. Certainly appreciate it. And, uh, and it was just wonderful to watch. I think it was the first time I missed church at Linwood all year. And maybe for some time prior to that, I didn't go back any farther than the beginning of the year. So it was really odd to be sitting uh, at eight o'clock in the morning and not here on a Sunday morning, but it was wonderful to worship with you. And um, the series is based on Romans 12. And I, I kind of cast a vision to begin reading Romans 12 every day through the duration of the series, and you get a bonus week now. Um, hopefully you've been doing that. I know our family has been reading it every night and enjoying reading it in different translations and having a little conversation sometimes about what stands out from one translation or another. So the good news is if you didn't start doing that, um, you can start now and you still have two weeks left, and you'll get a lot out of reading the same chapter of Scripture. And Romans 12 is one of those jewels of scripture, I believe, that just is so full. If we would, like, if Christians would just do this, Romans 12, consistently and passionately in the church and in the world, it would transform the church and it would transform the world. And so the name is sort of a, a play on words. Plan B, we're in a year of plan Bs and Cs and Ds and plan Qs. And, and we've just had so many times where we've had to make a difficult decision and go with what we hadn't necessarily planned first. And yet, in the midst of that, we're looking at Jesus' plan A for your life. That Jesus has a plan A for every person's life. And we can see that in the pages of Scripture. And we can see that fairly concisely here in Romans 12. And so there are four parts to this series. To believe, belong, become, and be holy. And these correspond really, really well with our mission and our vision here at Linwood. Our mission is to reach people for Christ. To help them grow in their faith. And to give them a place to belong. I got the order mixed up there, but... Give them a place to belong. Help them grow in their faith as we become a family of families. As we increasingly become a family of families. As we increasingly live out God's plan A for our lives. So in week one, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about God's plan A is that you would believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you would give your life to him and spend your life learning from him and becoming like him and following him. And so we, we talked about how belief how saving belief is transforming belief. That, that saving belief is belief that changes you. It transforms you from who you were to who you are in Christ. Last week, Pastor Keith preached an excellent, timely message from Acts 17 that said, God is a friend to run to, not an enemy to fear. He's a friend to run to, not an enemy to fear. And, and sort of his bottom line was to live out our faith and to help others do the same. Well, that's that's having belief in Christ. That's reaching people for Christ, giving them a place to belong, helping them grow in their faith. So today we're going to focus on that second word, belong, and that second phrase in our mission statement, to give people a place to belong. 
And this is the second or another part of God's plan A for your life and for every person in the world is not only that they would believe in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, but that they would belong to a family of faith, to a church, to a community, to a fellowship, to a body of believers, that every person would believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior and then belong to a body of believers. And that language, body of believers, is language that we find throughout the New Testament. We see it popping up in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and then again in chapter 12 as spiritual gifts are talked about. It's in Ephesians 4 and 5. It finds its way into Colossians 1, 2, and 3. So this is a very consistent term in Paul's letters, and he spends some time on that in Romans chapter 12 as well. So that's what we're going to be looking at today, verses 3 through 8. I'd like to read through Romans 12, verses 3 through 8, and then we'll walk through them slowly, kind of look at each verse and see what it has to say to us. But here's what Paul writes. After he's just told them to offer their bodies as living sacrifices, and as, as he said, don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then he says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us, If a man's or a woman's, we'll just say man's because that's what the text says from the NIV 84, but ladies, you're not off the hook, okay? If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And so obviously we're talking about the body of Christ. We're talking about belonging to the body of Christ. And so for a little fun, I might just ask you, what what part of the body do you think you are? Um, You know, some people might say, well, uh, I'm the hands. I like to do. I like to serve. I like to give. I like to contribute to the needs of others. I'm kind of maybe like the hands, okay? Uh, Maybe you could stretch the analogy a little farther and, and say, well, I'm like the feet. I like to go. I like to go and serve. I like to go to Nepal or go to China or go to Nicaragua or go to Peru or go across the street into a cross-cultural context where people don't necessarily look and act like me, but they still need Jesus and I can still serve them in Jesus' name. Maybe maybe you're the brains, you're the thinkers, you love theology, you love reading big articles with big words and lots of footnotes, and you like to think and chew and discuss. Or maybe you're the mouth and you like to talk. (laughs) I've heard some pastors say, I'm not the smartest, I'm not the most spiritual, I'm just the best talker. (laughs) That's why I got pushed to the front. Maybe you're the heart, you're the feeler. You can empathize with people and with the needs of others, and you can feel with them. When they're going through a difficult time, you can rejoice with those who rejoice. You can weep with those who weep. Maybe, maybe 
you resonate with the ears, and you're a wonderful listener, and you can draw things out of people and, and hear the story behind the story and the words between the lines. But there's one body part that I find is way too prevalent in modern churches. Every church I've been a part of has had a few too many of these, and that's the appendix. Have you ever heard of the appendix? It's that little worthless gut that you have at the bottom of right about here, and it doesn't do anything, but it can still blow up and kill you. And there's an interesting parallel to churches. There are people who, who come and they don't do anything, but they still manage to blow things up and kill stuff that is good. And so we want to make sure that that's the one body part that we don't find ourselves identifying with. But it's interesting. An appendix is very, very different than, a, than an infant, isn't it? You know, when I think about infants, I think about Pastor Zach and, and Amanda, and they just welcomed a new baby into the world. And, and this infant is helpless and does not contribute anything uh, tangibly. It's not She's not doing any chores. She's not um, contributing anything to the family. She's not bringing money in or, or doing really anything other than bringing limitless joy to them. And there's a big difference between an infant that needs constant care and attention but is growing and maturing and finding its way and will not always be an infant and an appendix that's just sort of sidelined itself and is not helping, not contributing to the body. You see, the beautiful thing about infants is that they become toddlers. Yes, that's good news, I promise. And the beautiful thing about toddlers is that they become children, and then they become adolescents, and then they become young adults, and then they start to contribute, and they start to lead others, and they start to join in the mission. And there's progress, there's growth, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing as there is progress towards maturity through the belonging that they find in their family and the shepherding and the stewarding and the teaching and the instruction and the maturing that naturally takes place, they grow and become ones that can reproduce and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. This is the vision. This is the church. This is Jesus's plan A, that we would reach people for Christ, bring them into, give them a place to belong in the family of God. And though they are infants, they would grow and they would mature and they would begin to use their spiritual gifts and exercise their spiritual gifts and become those who are capable of now reaching people for Christ. And the, the cycle perpetuates itself as we help people grow in their faith. That's next week. That's becoming. That's becoming. And so as we walk back through this, I, it struck me this morning as I was reading through this for the last time, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, if only we would speak only by the grace given us. This is a little bit of a sidelight, but I see that Paul is saying this here, and he's saying, by the grace given me, I say to you, if only we could preface every statement that comes from our mouths as Christians, by the grace the grace from Christ that has been given to me, I say to you. And if I can't say it by the grace given to me, I don't say it, right? So that's extra credit. That wasn't in the notes, but that stood out to me this morning. And I think it's worth repeating in these days and in these times. And I really want to focus on verse 4 and 5 for a moment because verse 4 says this, just as each of us has one body with many members, and we've talked about that a little bit, and these members do not all have the same function. They have different functions. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. Each member has a different function, and yet we all belong 
to each other in the body of Christ. And there's a, a great interplay that takes place in these two verses between members and between belonging, belonging to each other, being members of the body of Christ, and belonging to the body of Christ, but belonging to each other, just as my hand belongs to my feet. They're connected. When the hand wins, the feet win. And when the feet wins, the hand wins. And when the hand suffers, the feet suffer. Even though they're as far apart as they can be, they're connected to each other. They're one with each other. And so the implications are many and are vast, but you can't help but escape the implication on church membership. And we've been talking about that a little bit. We'll have a membership class next Sunday after the service. If you have not signed up for the church membership class and you are interested or just have questions about becoming a church member, I would love for you to sign up for that. We'll provide you with a box lunch or the sandwich and some chips and a cookie. It, come for the lunch if you don't come for anything else. But we'll, we'll talk about church membership and we'll go through what that means and what it implies and I'll answer your questions. And if you decide that you would like to be formally become a member of this church, then you'll have the opportunity to do so and to develop a formal relationship and make certain commitments and have certain commitments made to you as members. But it's also important that we understand this word belonging that, that is the focus of our sermon today, that's the focus of the middle phrase in our mission statement. It literally is translated there as members one of another. At the end of verse 5, it says as members one of another. So if you read the ESV version or one of the more literal translations, you would hear that phrase there, that we are each members one of another. And that means that you belong to you, and you belong to the body of Christ, and therefore you belong to me. And I belong to me, and I belong to Jesus, and I belong to the body of Christ, and therefore I belong to you, that we are members one of another. And just like the hand and the foot, when one of us grows and thrives and takes new ground in the kingdom, then it benefits all of us who are connected together, who are members one of another. It's a beautiful image. And when one of us suffers and one of us goes down the wrong path, or one of us runs into hard times, we all suffer because we're all members one of another. And it reminded me of a Hezekiah Walker song that we used to sing years ago at one of my churches in Casper. And it started out, the song was called, I Need You to Survive. Maybe you've heard this song. It's a beautiful song. And it says, I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. I need you to survive. It's his will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. It's a, it's a beautiful song. And the chorus of that song says, pray for me. You pray for me. I'll pray for you. I love you. I need you to survive. It's a beautiful song about the body of Christ and how, and how we are one together with each other and with Christ. And interestingly enough, Paul has just spoken about in Romans chapter 11, verses 11 through 24, what has taken place with the Gentiles being brought into the people of God. The Jews were the people of God for all of the Old Testament. And there was kind of this idea that you were Jewish, you were God's people. And if you were not Jewish, you were not God's people. And Christ throws open the family of God and declares that the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, can be brought into the family of God. And he describes grafting a wild olive shoot into a tree. And if you've ever seen this, it's phenomenal. Go look it up on YouTube, how gardeners, skilled gardeners and horticulturists and arborists 
can graft trees into each other with, with skill. And God does this, and he grafted in the Gentiles, and now they belong to the tree, to the family of God. It's a beautiful, beautiful image. And he's just explained that. And as the Gentiles are grafted in, as new believers are grafted into this family of God, they can now bear fruit. They are now part of, and they are collectively united with and can bear fruit for the kingdom of God. And he's, he's speaking about spiritual gifts, especially in verses 6, 7, and 8. And it's important that we understand one thing in particular about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are empowered by the Spirit of God for the people of God. They are, they are empowered by the Spirit for the body. Your gift is not just for you. It's for the body. Your spiritual gift, whatever that may be, and he lists several. Paul lists some more in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Peter talks about them. And uh, there are a number of different places where various gifts are described. But the important thing that we understand is that whatever gift you have, it's empowered by the Spirit of God for the people of God. And it's empowered by the measure or proportion of your faith. We see that in verse 3, and we see it again in verse 6, that Paul speaks based on, on the grace that's given him, and he encourages us not to think of ourselves more, more highly than we ought, but in accordance with our faith. And then in verse 6, he says, use your gifts, and if maybe prophesying is your gift, prophesy in proportion to the faith that you have. Don't, don't try to Pretend, don't pose, don't say I've got more faith than I do and, and project a, a false image. Go with the faith that you have because here's the beautiful thing. Your faith should be growing. The longer you belong to that family and that body of Christ, your faith will grow, your gift will grow, and your impact with that gift will grow over time as your faith grows, as your gift grows. And so we see that these gifts are not static. They're in proportion to our faith. And as our faith grows, our gifts grow. And as our gifts grow, maybe our influence and our impact grows. And maybe I start out just running projection like I did a little over 10 years ago. And then next thing you know, I'm teaching a Sunday school class as my faith grows and my gifts develop. And then I take seminary classes and I start into ministry and I begin to preach and, and I begin to teach and I begin to lead in other ways. And those gifts grow as I focus on them, as I use them. That's my story. What's your story? Where's your gift and where is it growing has it grown significantly? Are you utilizing it more today than you were five years ago? And if not, why not? Maybe your faith hasn't grown. And if not, why not? Are you feeding it? Are you feeding it as much as you're feeding other areas? Because I, one thing I've learned about human capacity is that, that what we focus on and what we're intentional about, we can grow. If I wanted to become a concert pianist and I started today and I began practicing, I, you give me 10 years and I could be a concert level pianist if I was focused on it, if I was determined. And if you want your faith to grow and you want your spiritual gifts to grow, they will grow. If you focus on it, if you feed them, if you practice them, if you use them. And then in verse 8, don't miss this. In verse 8, Paul throws in adverbs. Now, I've told you before, I'm a recovering English major. And so whenever I see an L-Y, I'm like, oh, there's an adverb. That modifies the verb. And so now there are, there are verbs that are being modified. And so in verse 8, 
He says, if it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. Generously is an adverb. It modifies the verb give. And so if we're going to give, if that's our thing, then do it generously. And he says, if it's leadership, let him govern diligently. Diligently modifies the verb leadership. And if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So it modifies the, the verb showing mercy. And so that to me says not just that these three are special, but that whatever we do, we do it generously, diligently, cheerfully. Maybe those three adverbs apply to all the gifts and to our utilization of all the gifts. And that it's not just what we do, it's how we do it. It's not just what we say when we prophesy, it's how we say it. It's not just where we serve when we serve, it's how we serve. It's the smile on our face. It's the comfort that we bring to the people. It's not just how we give, it's that we give generously, lavishly. It's not just that we, that we uh, lead, that we do it with diligence, that we're prepared, that we think ahead. And it's not just that we show mercy, it's that we do it cheerfully, not grudgingly. And as our growing faith and our growing gifts get these adverbs thrown on them, now we're really rocking and rolling because we're doing all of these things generously and with diligence and with cheerfulness. And I think it will be pretty hard to stay the same if that's happening in our lives. And so I want to close with an illustration. How many of you uh, have played the game Scrabble? Yeah, most of you. Words with friends, if you got it on a smartphone or something like that. I meant to bring in a box. I have it sitting on my desk. It'll be there for the 1030 service. But there's an interesting thing about Scrabble. Scrabble, if you're not familiar with it, is a game where you have a game board and there are special squares, but you're trying to to build words off of each other in different directions and in different places. And, And then there's special ones where... Each letter has a value. So most letters are worth one. Some letters are worth two or three or four. The really strange letters that are hard to work into words have eight or ten points ascribed to them. And then you can see on the board there's places where you get double points for that letter or double points for the word that you build if you can make it fall on that square. And so that's where some of the strategy comes in and it, it gets to be really, really fun. But what's not fun is when you reach into the bag and you get all the same letter, right? Has that ever happened to you? Especially if they're all eyes, right? Because this is what happens, you know, Satan's like, it's really all about you. Just listen to your favorite radio station, What's In It For Me, WII, FM. You've heard of that one? Maybe, maybe not. But if it's all eyes, you can't make many words, can you? And you can't score many points. There's a handful of words that you can make with the letter I. And those of you that are Scrabble geniuses know that QI is one of those. And you can spell, it doesn't, it's not a word you would ever use in, in language, but it's very, very rare. Most of the words that you can score or, the, or make with the letter I are two letters, and they're going to score very, very low. But what's really cool is when you reach in and you get five or six different letters, and you take that little I of yourself and you put it in a family, right? Now you can make a lot of words. You can make the word yam, you can make fam, you can make yam, or or, uh, I had five or six, but I didn't write them down. So you play around with that. There's a lot of words you can make out of family. And you can score a lot of points with the word family. You could have a big impact. 
If you're part of a family, if you take your little eye and you put it in a family, put it in a body of believers, now the impact is magnified. But those of you that play Scrabble know that the biggest point words are when you combine the letters you have with words that are already on the board and you add to them and you hit one of those special spots, one of those special places. And so I can't help but show you the biggest word I ever played with words with friends, okay? It's on the board here. It's the word cleanest. I added the C and the enest, two words that were already there. Look at the score, 173 points because there's a double word and a triple word on the word cleanest. So that got me like mega points. And if you look at this a little longer, and Keaton was worried that there was some pride soaking into this, and maybe just a little. But if you look at this a little longer, you can see that my 173-point word put me 173 points in the lead. We were tied. And it's awesome that Judy Smith was my opponent on this word because Judy and I are neck and neck. If you look at our lifetime history, it's pretty much even. She wins a game, I win a game. She's sort of my nemesis. And so to play this word on her was a big deal. But I had to utilize the different pieces that I had and fit them together. And there's a spiritual application here that I don't want you to miss. When we all start to take our spiritual gifts and we invest them strategically in the kingdom of God together, and we pull in some new people and some new gifts, and we pull in some people that are mature in their faith, and and we use all of that strategically, we can throw a knockout punch to our nemesis to our enemy. Now, Judy's not an enemy. She's a churchgoer. She's a believer. She's a wonderful person. But I hope you don't miss the lesson. And I think our application here is to not only develop your own gifts by using your own gifts, but to pray and to seek ways to link up with the gifts of others, to be members one of another, and to allow those gifts to come together in powerful ways. Because the bottom line today is that the more we belong together, the more we we become together. The more we belong together, the more we become together. The more that we choose to be together, the more we are able to become together. And the better we belong together, the better we become together. The more we will choose to belong together, the more we will become together together. And so that is my hope and my prayer for you today, that you will be asking God this week, what is my spiritual gift? Is it growing? Am I utilizing it for your kingdom? And this applies to every person in the room, every person watching. If you're a believer in Christ, you have a spiritual gift, at least one, probably have more than one. Are you using it? Are you intentionally developing it? Are you growing it? And are you using it for God's kingdom? And then allow the Spirit to move you forward or to give you eyes to see how you could link that gift up with the gift of someone else and bring them in to the fold. And maybe the combination would just be something more than we had ever hoped or imagined. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, We thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift that it is to us. We thank you for your plan A for our life. 
that we would not only believe in you as our Lord and Savior, Lord, but that we would belong to a family, to a body of believers, and that together we could do more than we had ever imagined. Help us, Lord, to be faithful stewards of the gifts that you have given us, recognizing that they come from you and are empowered by you, and that they have a purpose, and that is to build your kingdom, to strengthen your body, to help us be more effective in doing your will. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray.